All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with another... A momentous episode of V8 Radio, Kevin. Momentous episode of V8 Radio. I'm, I'm your host, Kevin Osti, joined as always by our esteemed co-host, Mr. Mike Cuball-Clark. And, yes, sir. Uh, momentous is a good word, but I, I'm going to throw another one out there. Let's have it. And this was recommended uh, uh, to be used as an overselling adjective by our V8 Speed and Resto Shop technician, Trevor Spence. And uh, I actually invented this word, okay. uh, but it seems appropriate. It's an enterthusing episode. <laughs> <laughs> an enterthusing episode. I like it. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well played, sir. Well played. I came out of, oh. came out of the shop the other day, and I was uh, apparently visually upbeat in some manner. And and Trevor was asking what was going on, and I said I was enterthused. All right. I was combination Very nice. entertained and enthusiastic, and he said that's got to be your word. So. <laughs> All right. There you go. Well, that is our word. It's in the books. Yeah. Man, there you go. So, uh, you know, we, we have a lot to cover, as usual, on, uh, on this episode. But before we do, we, uh, we typically start these off with some form of uh, automotive trivia, in, mm-hmm. in which we, we discuss the question at the head of the show, and then we reveal the, the uh, always riveting answer at the end of the show. So, uh, do you happen to have any automotive trivia laying around that you uh, dragged out for this one? I do have an automotive trivia that I have dragged out for this one, sir. <laughs> right on. All right. All right, here we go. Um, as you know, um, and we will talk about this, we just got back from the SEMA show. Correct. The momentous SEMA show. And um, I heard a little piece of information over there, and uh, I thought it was interesting, and I wanted to throw it out there. And I'm sure you, you probably know, but for the others... Three other people that don't. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna throw this down on them. All right. Um, a lot of people know that the first SEMA show was in the basement of uh, Dodger Stadium. Um, I think it was '67. Yep. Something like that. How many exhibitors were there at the first SEMA show? This is a <clears throat> this is a great question um, because, and I think I know where you're going with this question. Uh, while we were at the SEMA show, there was uh, an individual whose name was Troy, who was standing mm-hmm. on a spinning display with a yellow Camaro. Right. And he was um, he was a hired gun to to keep kind of the, the crowd engaged a little bit as they walked through that grand lobby. And he was using this as one of his one of his points. Is this where you heard it? Is, may, maybe. The only reason why <laughs> maybe, I bring that up maybe. is because. <laughs> I think he so got was it. he wrong? I think he got it wrong. <laughs> oh, God dang. Oh shoot! So, I knew I should have researched that better. Uh, well, I think what he had said, and I don't know if he changed his tune throughout the week, um, but he said that there was originally only five exhibitors, and maybe maybe, maybe that's what I heard. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, and I, I honestly think it's thirty-five is the original. Oh, really? Um, <clears throat> and I haven't verified that. And it's funny you bring that up because that's something I wanted to kind of check on. Because uh, I know the story of how the SEMA show kind of came to be. Uh, and it was uh, a lady named Gigi Carlton who was Robert Peterson's uh, assistant. You know, mm-hmm. b- back in the in the 60s, she was a secretary by title, you know. But she, right. she really 
uh, ran uh, quite a bit of the operation of, of Peterson Publishing when it came to events and and publicity and things like that. Uh, but Robert Peterson ran the magazines and the business side, but entrusted Gigi as his lifelong assistant well enough to where today she runs the Peterson Foundation. Wow. So huh. the money that goes to the museum is because of her. Uh, there's a tragic story that, that uh, Peterson, uh, the Peterson heir, there is no heir to the throne. The children were oh, really? killed in a plane crash. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. Right. So uh, it was uh, there was nobody there. So I know uh, from talking to Gigi last year, because she was a, a 2017 SEMA Hall of Fame inductee, Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how she was tasked with um, basically putting that show together. So she was a go-getter, and she didn't screw around. She knew everybody in the industry. And I can't imagine that she put together all the booths, because she sold all the booth space and made all the arrangements uh-huh. and got the stadium and all that stuff. I can't see her doing that for five exhibitors. You know what? You make a good point. Uh, I could see her doing it for a lot of them, and, and it went up from there. So, right. so uh, the number that I heard was 35. I know that the source there was saying five. I, I could be completely uh, misguided on both. But um, so to answer, I don't know. I don't. How do we answer this? I'm going to say 35, but we, we don't really know until we look okay, it up. Okay, yeah, we don't have uh, <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Maybe I'll do a little bit of research throughout the show here. There you, you go. Know, we'll, yeah. try, we'll try to get something going here. Right, right. And we, uh, you know, I, I could be completely wrong on both of those numbers, but I, I'm going to say 35. Okay. Because there was... 35 it is. What I think is fascinating is that a lot of the companies that we uh, we use today were there. So really, Edelbrock, and oh yeah, uh, yeah, some some that aren't really in in business any longer. Schieffer clutches and stuff like that. But uh-huh. uh, at Isk- well, Iskandarian cams, Isky cams, he was there, and, uh-huh. and and there's a long list of companies that are still in business that were uh, at SEMA show number one. It was pretty cool. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. As he looks it up. I'm looking it up right now, man. But he ain't going to tell me because it's the end of the show. That's what we got to do. Exactly. All right. Well, I'm going to. Sorry, throw th- everyone. You got to wait. I'm going to throw you a, a softball. Oh, thanks, and, buddy. And, and I'll tell you why this came up afterwards. But uh, in the uh, the 1970s, I'm sorry. I should have asked. Are you ready for this? You ready? Uh, I'm ready. Okay. I'm ready, Freddie. Let's do it. In, right. in the, no, focused. no. I, you're, fo- you're doing your thing. It's all good. But uh, I just, I don't want you to. I don't want you later on to go, you know, I wasn't paying attention, so I answered it correctly. <laughs> In the 1970s, as you know, uh, the Chrysler Corporation uh, hired a spokesperson by the name of Ricardo Montalban. Oh, dear Lord. To <laughs> uh, expound the virtues of the Chrysler line of products. Uh-huh. And uh, he often talked about a characteristic of the leather in these Chrysler products. <laughs> Are you serious? Products. I am serious. I, I said it's a softball. It is. So it's a two-part question. What What was the kind of leather that, that Ricardo used to talk about? And the second part of the question is, and what was it? Oh, in what car was it? No. What was oh. special about the type of leather that 
Oh, what? Okay. Well, part number one, well, it was in the Chrysler Cordoba <laughs> with the rich Corinthian leather. Very nice, yes. Um, what was special about it? Oh, man. Um, that I, I'm not sure of. Um, uh, it, uh, there was a, uh, uh, a didn't, really... Didn't stain? I don't know. It didn't stain. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. <laughs> but whenever, dang it. Whenever Ricardo said stain proof, they said that just didn't, yeah. didn't have the... No, it didn't really make didn't mean much. Oh, <laughs> no. gee whiz. All right, hold on. Let me write this down. So... Corinthian letter we yes. got from part yes, my A, friends. yes. And part B is stain stain resistant <laughs> property. <laughs> car leather. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> which which you know it's a very valid guess. Um, even long before minivans people would stain their car seats. So right. In fact, I have a a, a manual for either a Buick or a Cadillac or something, like uh-huh. a glove box manual, and it goes into yeah. great great detail on how to remove urine stains. Oh, come on! <laughs> Jesus. In case you have some sort of harrowing driving experience, <laughs> or you don't get home in time, perhaps. <laughs> That's a... That's a hell of a long road trip. Yeah. Well, maybe, the, maybe it is a Cadillac thing. You know, I think some of our... Senior Maybe. drivers, you know, might be. Uh, oh well, yeah, there you go. On the ragged edge of, of control. <laughs> oh man! Well, Ricardo, it was kind of funny because uh, I don't know how I got on some YouTube rabbit hole and and I uh-huh. saw an interview with him, and you know, I, I really miss that guy. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't think that you miss him, but you miss him too. And I- and what we both miss about Ricardo Montalban is he was a staple on our tv screen when we grew up sure he was fantasy island fantasy island and then he yeah. appeared in uh in soap operas and the colbys and sitcoms and the wrath of yeah. khan and the star wrath of khan yeah yeah he, he was all over the place and they would drag him out in in other situation comedies and stuff mm-hmm. and the guy died in 09 and uh and gone you know poof off right. off the screen and I, I, I saw an interview that David Letterman did with Ricardo in about 1987. Mm-hmm. And, and, and this, this guy was the man. He was so articulate and so smart and so mm. just such a great, warm personality that, it's, you know, we need more guys like Ricardo Montalban. And, and he was, his parents were Spanish immigrants to Mexico and he was born in Mexico. Uh-huh. And, and then came to the United States and, and started working in Hollywood and in New York City. But he talks about how he appreciated tremendously what the United States had, had done for his career and his livelihood. And he looked at, at Mexico as his motherland and the United uh-huh. States as his motherland's best friend. Oh, is that right? Right. You know? And oh. that was such a great way to look. And it was very timely because today... You know, on the news, we're seeing <clears throat> immigrant issues and, and all this stuff. Right. And I thought, you know, th- this is a guy who got it and, and made it work and did it right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, uh, you know, God bless him for it. Yeah. And you in know. that interview, he talks a little bit about the uh, the Corinthian letter. Is that right? Because, yeah, of course, Letterman put him on the spot. 
Well, of course. And, and it's kind of funny because you mentioned the car, the Chrysler Cordoba. Mm-hmm. And and uh, Ricardo talks about how there's a town in Mexico called Cordoba. Ah. Cordoba. Cordoba. And, and, and he gets hired to do this, you know, pitch man for Chrysler. Uh-huh. And he said, what's the car? And they said, oh, it's the Cordoba. And he went, oh, yes, the Cordoba. And they said, no, it's Cordoba. No. <laughs> and then he went, no, 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 it's Cordoba. Yeah, I, I, can the first I can hear right. now. I can hear now. The Chrysler Cordoba. Cut! Ricardo, come here. No, no, no. <laughs> well, but he, he was a pro, so he said, all right, you know, I'll say it however you want me to say it. You know, mm. knowing that it was a Detroit-based marketing term and not yeah. named after the city in Mexico. Right, but, you know, right, so. right, right. <laughs> so That's I thought, funny. you know, the, the the Corinthian letter would be a good uh, two-part trivia question. So I appreciate that. I, I appreciate the first part. The second part, I, I'm 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 lost with. I'm, I'm probably gonna I'm probably gonna realize it as soon as you say it. Like, oh, of course. We'll but see. We'll, we'll we'll see. Eventually, we'll we see. will. Yeah, and I I do have my correct answer. Oh, right on. For my but we'll we will find see. out at the yeah. end of the show. Yes, we will. Fair enough. We'll we'll see who was right and who wasn't right. <laughs> we'll see. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, uh, yeah, the big thing, there, there's two things I want to touch on. One is just happened and the other one's about to happen. So the just happened was the SEMA show and what's going to happen is the McCacken show. And I don't mm-hmm. want to, uh, I don't want to forget about talking about McCacken. And if we have, uh, you know... Any of our listener who gets uh, bored and tunes out, I don't want them to miss the McCacken part. So there's a there's not only the trivia is a hook, the McCacken thing. McCacken's a, hook a, a bigger hook. Yeah, yeah. So, but you, my friend, have survived your very first SEMA show. Oh man, I'll tell you what, man, what an experience that was. So I guess the big question is, was it even in any way close to what you're expecting? Nope. <laughs> Not even close. The the sheer scale of that place. The three different buildings, the the annexes outside. It's I mean, I only got to spend 2 days there. And I barely scratched the surface of everything there is to see there or everything there is to experience there. It is Four days even is not enough. No, for to to really to really drink it in. I mean, you got to go and go and go to really, oh, yeah. I think, experience what SEMA is really all about. And the people I met that you introduced me to, and just the the whole vibe of the place was just so great. Everybody was cool. Everyone was happy. All the all the all the exhibitors were cool. All the stuff they had out was phenomenal. I, I got to tell you, uh, it it was just it just blew my mind, just <laughs> blew it up. Yep, yep. Well, good. It it's an unbelievable experience, and you know I've been doing this a long time, and I I've never seen the whole show, and mm-hmm. I've resolved myself to understanding I never will see the whole thing, mm-hmm. you know, because there's there's seminars going on and education things and displays and press events and. And, and all that at the same time, so you can't see it all. Right, right. Uh, and what you really need to do 
if you're you're on two feet pounding the pounding the show is try to do as much recon ahead of time and and now that you've been through it and kind of understand you mm-hmm. know the the next time you go you're able to look at the SEMA app and the the magazine and the the website mm-hmm. in advance and say all right well these are some things I'm trying to accomplish here um, and I, I think there's several right. levels of that because there are the the displays with the manufacturers and the retailers and the new products mm-hmm. and also the cars that are on display, which mm-hmm. you can set out to, to make contact with. But the, the other half at least is things that you cannot anticipate. Totally. Oh yeah. I mean, Oh God, where do I begin? <laughs> yeah. Um, man, I'll I mean, there's, what my... there's chance meetings of people that you, you know, you don't know today, but you know, however you meet them you bump into them in the hallway or somebody introduces mm. you whatever and that, yeah. that that could take a turn that changes the whole direction of your show yeah well i still have my chip hand <laughs> right yeah right on you know it's pretty i got cool. to meet chip foose and shake his hand and this is my chip hand from now on there you still haven't washed it no, no. Yeah, I see Chip's getting a beard there a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and that was pretty cool, too, the way that went down. Uh, it was. Because we were, we, uh, so so my schedule was, I was not able to actually go into the show until after four, generally, during the, during the week, because right. I had a commitment to be working at that SEMA Central stage. Which, uh, which was killer. But at the same time, it was nice to be able to go in the show. So you and I and Kelly, right? Yeah. Um, we're hanging around, uh, checking some things out. And the show's supposed to close at 5. But if you linger, sometimes you can hang out a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. And, and was that the day we were at, uh, at the Ring Brothers display? Yes. Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you know, and, and that's a funny experience, too, because... Ring Brothers built a Blazer, and we went out yeah. trying to see some of the cars, you know, towards the end of the day, right. and uh, we ended up spending about a half an hour at the Ring display, and didn't yeah. even talk to the Ring Brothers, really. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> yeah. Talking yeah. with everybody else around there. Right. Talking with the car, the car owners, uh, the people who own that, that beautiful K5 Blazer for, forever. Yeah. They were cool. And the wives. I mean, they were, they were just awesome. Yeah. So... I think Jim Ring was was talking to the actual car owners for a little while, and and mm-hmm. and Mike was talking to a couple guys that he just met from Wisconsin that they bonded, and right. and you and I were were talking with Dan Kahn, who's on the SEMA board, right. and, and also owns Kahn Media, and and just chatting about stuff, and then you know Mike Ring's wife was there, and and next thing you know we're all just having a conversation like we've all known each other forever, and and uh, when it came time to finally move on and leave. That's when we saw your buddy. Yep. My new best friend. <laughs> well, how random was it that Chip is just walking up the... Uh, he's just trying to go wherever he's going. Right, right. Probably trying to get to his room to change and go out and do whatever. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a heck of a chance meeting. And I didn't have to wait in line for three hours to to shake his hand and say hello. Yeah. So, this was pretty cool. This was really cool. It was cool. And... It, and, and you know, what was your impression of, of meeting Mr. Foose? Seemed like a cool down to earth guy. Yeah. Totally was. unpretentious, not not arrogant, really cool guy. Yep. 
genuine, a genuine cool guy. Yeah, totally. And, and, uh, that's how he is. And it doesn't matter if you're, you know, sometimes, you know, he's like you're saying before, he's in a, an autograph signing session or something. Mm-hmm. There's no opportunity to just BS and hang out. Right. Uh, but walking, walking the aisle, of the show on the way to the door, you know, you had a good three, four, five minutes. And, and uh, he was just telling us a story of finishing up that 57 and, right, you know, working with the guys. And it's just uh-huh. like, like any other car guy, you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Thrashing, doing the last minute SEMA thrash, getting it out the door, getting it ready for that, for the reveal. Yeah, well, that was, that was crazy. You know, four days yep. before we bumped into him, that car was no front yeah, end, yeah. no doors, no top, <laughs> right. no interior. And then to be yeah. a showstopper, you know, within a week. Yeah, it looked like it was found in a bad neighborhood, all stripped for Pete's sake. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> all it was missing was the milk crates. <laughs> yeah, no doubt, no doubt. <laughs> so, well, like, in case I in case I don't get a chance to say it uh, later on, I know I, I said it uh, privately to you guys, but I just want to say publicly thank you from the bottom of my heart <laughs> for for taking me to, for including me in on this. This was this was a real car guy dream come true. Honest to God, I mean, this was like car nirvana well you know so. and I'm, I'm thank you for that i'm so glad you're able to attend because you're the kind of guy who would appreciate that yeah and, and, oh, and, and i do oh yeah i know i know and and, and uh, i'll appreciate it even more next year there you get go. it <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully you know they they moved it back a little bit so you know you don't have to worry so much about halloween with the family uh right because that's always right. a sticking point um mm-hmm. But there are people who, who go to this event, and I think they, you know, whatever their experience level is in the industry or their involvement, I should say, uh, doesn't give them the opportunity to uh, uh, take in as much. And so, for example, if you can imagine working for a big manufacturing company, and it's your job to fly out there in advance, put the booth up... And then maybe hang around and make sure that the thing's clean throughout the week and everything, and then go home. And right. and if you're not really a you know a car enthusiast, you know you're uh-huh. you might just be there as a logistics person or a you know uh, somebody who works in their warehouse or something. Those people mm-hmm. are there because those functions are needed. Mm-hmm. But those are the people that might not get that experience or that gratification out of going to this event. Uh, or the appreciation, I guess. So, uh, I, I knew you would dig it totally, and get a lot out of it. Mm-hmm. I did. I really did. I mean, it's uh, it, it it really makes me wish that I my livelihood was in the automotive aftermarket. I mean, <laughs> ugh, I wish I could somehow make that work. It would be phenomenal. Well, you uh, know what's amazing about this industry is that. It's fueled by enthusiasts, genuinely. You know, 99% of the people that work in the industry like cars, and, and that's a common thread. And they get excited about this stuff, and they want to do it well. And mm-hmm. <clears throat> that example I mentioned before of even kind of the fringe people, um, they still think this stuff's neat. And, mm-hmm. and I was joking with, uh, with Paul Cuniff, and Paul is the, the guy with Freeman, which is the company that does the actual management of the show and they, they're the ones that manage the hall and they're a, oh, okay. they're a giant right. facilities company. And, and Paul's, you know, he's at the top over at Freeman for the SEMA show. 
and we were joking about this, and, and I happened to say, yeah, you know, I, I can't see people getting this excited about a dental object convention and he starts laughing and he goes you know what we do one of those he said my wife runs one and it's it's not the same <laughs> no i bet it's not oh my lord that's hysterical yeah, it was you know but every industry you know has its its trade events and, and some are right. not that exciting um the car world Boy. is definitely exciting oh totally without a doubt i mean people there's people there who you know, eat, drink, sleep cars. And that's really what, like you said, it's driven by enthusiasts. And that's what really keeps keeps it powering forward. It's so very enterthusing. It is quite enterthusing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to hit up Webster's to have that entered in. There you go. Sub- submit that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing that's so cool about it, for me anyway, um, is the people that are there... You know, for the other 360 days a year, or for some exhibitors, it's only 340 days a year, uh, the people that work on that show, you know, they, they work in the car enthusiast aftermarket industry and they make parts and whatever, but they're still, again, they're still car people. So when you get to the show, you might be talking to somebody who is the, the, the VP of a company or the president of a company. Mm-hmm. And I think in other situations, we'll use our dental implement example. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, the only commonality that you would have is because you might work in a dentist's office and this guy makes dental stuff. But when he mm-hmm. goes home, he might be into fishing and you go home and you're into GTOs. At, uh-huh. at the SEMA show, everybody's still into cars even right. when they're not working, right? Yeah, that's, per- <laughs> that's perfect. Exactly. So you can you can talk to... Anybody you want there and ask them what they've got in their garage and they're going to tell you a story about their own project car or the car that got away or whatever. And and I'll use this as a segue to because uh, uh, you were there actually doing some recordings, which was cool. Yep. Recording yep. some interviews for uh, for this this uh, podcast. Mm-hmm. And and one of the guys we kind of sicked you on is, is one of my favorite people in the industry. And that's uh, Rick Love from Vintage Air. Right on. Yeah, he's a great guy. Rick's a great guy, uh-huh. and and a a you know a true hardcore car enthusiast from you know muscle cars and street rides and customs you name it you know this guy's totally into it, and right. and that's what's so great about uh, talking with with Rick is because you know you could be intertwining your personal project stories with what Vintage Air has to offer and it all just kind of blends. You know, and, and that's what makes everything so powerful is because when you, you know, I guess you tell me, you, you talked to him for a little while, you know, how was it yep. like? How he was, he was cool. I mean, he, he's, he's really knowledgeable uh, about the products that they, that they have there and uh, the stuff that they were coming out uh, new, uh, especially for 69 Camaros and the, their, their um, um, display panel on the vintage air units. Um, he just was real, really a likable guy. So well, it was, it was a, it was, it was easy. Let's roll the tape. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Mike Clark from V8 Radio, and I'm here with Mr. Rick Love from Vintage Air. Rick, having a great time at SEMA. 
<laughs> Always, Mike. It seems to be uh, a little more of a circus every year, but that's just why we look forward to it, I guess. You know, that's part of it. But I, I think this year the crowds have been good and uh, lots of good stuff so far. Terrific. Uh, so what's uh, what's new with Vintage Air today? You know, uh, we've got a lot of new products this year. Some of the things we're most proud of is we've just debuted our new replacement control panels for 67 to 69 Camaro. We've got one panel for 67, 68 center stack and one for 69. And they're bolt-in control panels, uh, fully electronic, direct connection right to our Gen 4 module. So if you don't want to retain the look of your factory control panel, or if you can't find an original factory control panel, these will bolt right in and into the original locations. They're LED backlit, give you a variable speed blower, variable temperature blend, and variable air blend. And uh, so you get all the electronic functions of the Gen 4 in a little more modern looking panel. Gotcha. Sounds like that makes for a really comfortable Camaro. It does. It does. And again, it, it kind of updates the look of a little Camaro a little bit, you know, depending sure. if you're going to customize the dash a little bit and just gives you a little bit of an option if you don't want to use the factory controls. Gotcha. Gotcha. So uh, how long has Vintage Air been in, uh, in business? 1976. Is that a few right? Years. Yeah. Yeah. We've been, been around the block for a while now. Sounds great. Sounds great. Well, listen, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate it. Thanks for coming by, Mike. Always and, uh, great to talk to y'all. Enjoyed it. Yeah, so I guess uh, uh, they've got a new control panel for the second gen Camaro. Uh huh. And and uh, again, Vintage Air is a company that that gets it. You know, they, they make stuff that um, either adapts your original controller, and they realize that some people don't want that stock look, so they come up with the one that you were discussing with Rick there. Uh-huh. And they wouldn't have this stuff if they if they weren't into it, genuinely organically right. into it. So I think it did a great job with that interview. And uh, uh, we didn't, you know, throw you to the wolves, so to speak. We tried to find people that, you know, were were fun to talk to. And and Rick was definitely one of those guys. So that's cool. People that would be receptive to to me coming up to him. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate that. And and that's what he's there doing all week anyway, is telling the story of their new stuff. Uh And we certainly use a lot of it. In fact, uh, we've got a 71 Camaro in the shop right now that uh, we'll see if it ends up with one of those new controllers or not. We've got to ask the customer. Right on. So right we have on. a long, you know, it's a multifaceted relationship. We're buddies, we're customers, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we promote their stuff, you know. So that's another aspect of the SEMA show experience is to, for, you know, start that personal relationship with people that make parts that your shop might be selling, you know, or installing. Right. And, you know, now... You know, Rick's the kind of guy that if you had a problem on your GTO with your AC system, you you could call him and go talk directly to him, you know. And and again, I, I'm not saying that everybody should do that because they, they definitely have a customer service team. Right. But on a conceptual level, he would know that you guys had that conversation. You met and V8 uh-huh. and all that stuff. And he'd be like, oh, yeah, I remember Mike. You know, it's all good. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that's that's very cool. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, what's interesting to me is how, until you step back and either participate in the various levels of that organization or that event, it's hard to see the other sides. So for example, the people that build cars, so we've, we've done 10 SEMA cars over the years. And uh-huh. so we were no strangers to the deadline and the thrash and the, uh-huh. the quality level and the logistics and getting it out there and all that stuff. But it's funny because SEMA isn't a car show. 
Right. It is not a car show. <laughs> so cars are, are definitely part of it. And the SEMA is a business trade show. I mean, that's what it's uh-huh. for, is for connecting buyers and sellers of of stuff and, and designers and engineers and marketers. Uh-huh. And they showcase their products on cars that are built. Uh, but every once in a while, I'll see a conversation online or talk to somebody who who doesn't have that experience of talking with manufacturers or, or retailers or whatever, and they might be a builder, and they say, you know what, I don't know if there's any value in doing SEMA because we thrash like crazy to build this car, you know, and then, and then what happens? You know, people check it out and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, and what they're missing is, again, building the car is, is a small component of what that show is. And it's, uh-huh. it's not like a, a, a good guys event where you build the car, show your car off, and chances are there's going to be 20 people there that want you to build one. Right. So what you get out of it is purely what you put into it from networking, talking to people, reaching out, getting involved in, in the organization. Because the SEMA organization, the way I look at it is in many ways – it's like an industry safety net because SEMA exists so that shops like mine can be more successful. Yeah. And, and SEMA, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. Well, SEMA exists so that guys like you can enjoy your car on more levels because there's more successful companies to buy parts from. Right. Because they are opposing legislation that's trying to take your and limit your hobby and limit your car usage. Uh-huh. Uh, there are so many things that that organization does that are not glamorous like that show that you benefit from every day and you might not even be aware. Yeah, yeah, that I get it. I get it. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's pretty awesome that they're out there fighting for for the you know the the end user and as well as the industry itself, and which you know they which go hand in hand. Uh, to keep this industry thriving and alive and strong and, and growing. Yeah. So absolutely, and and they have all these alliances and and uh, councils that people can get involved with. If you're in the in the industry and a member of SEMA, you know, one for example is the Hot Rod Industry Alliance, which is a bunch of people that are in the hot rod parts business or shop owners or builders or whatever. And they have meetings throughout the year to discuss the health of the of their their uh, you know subset of the industry and discuss legislation and and all this kind of stuff. And they're all volunteers. It's a volunteer thing. Nobody wow, gets paid. Wow, no kidding. Yeah, for real. Oh, so, geez, I didn't know that. And and what's neat is that you might be in a room with your number one competitor, both on the same council, but everybody takes their company hat off when they walk in the door. And they all understand that they're doing this because if the industry is stronger and better, they're all going to do better. Yeah, right, right. You have a bigger, a bigger thing to 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 worry about a common goal, as it were. Yeah, totally. To to see that you you both succeed. Uh, Right, exactly. And 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 to me, that's a it's it's more of a selfless cause, and especially when that's tied to being a volunteer position. So there, you, there's all this giving. The, 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 the trade organization is giving back to the industry. The people that work in the industry are giving their own time to help everything. So what I've learned is the, the more you can give 
the more gratifying it becomes. And eventually it all comes back to you. So those people that show up one year and say, well, I put all this time in this car and I didn't get any leads. I hope that their, their vantage point expands and they, they understand after maybe attending a couple of years or, or getting involved that that's, that's not what it's about. That's not where the benefit lies. I get it. I get it. I know you do. Kevin, I get it. <laughs> well, and it took me a long time to get it myself. I mean, the first couple of years I was there, I was you know selling ads for car magazines, and I thought mm-hmm. a successful SEMA for me was you know getting a lead that I could sell an ad to, you know, and then mm-hmm. I win. And I almost looked like I was rushing into this this giant you know gold mine, trying you know, like the money box, you know, the fan blows <laughs> and the dollars are flying around, and it's yeah. like. You only got 30 seconds, you know, grab up as much as you can for yourself and get out. And, and, and now I realize, no, no, there's so much more to be gained, mm-hmm. you know, by, by talking to people and, and listening. And it's certainly also about making those business connections and, and right. for the, especially for the buyers and sellers and designers and manufacturers of parts. Um, but it really is a it's a higher level thing and it's very admirable. You know, it's really cool. Like you said, it's, it's neat that, that it happens because, oh, uh, it's, 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 it's ridiculous. It's awesome. So from oh, a, goodness. from a part standpoint, anything, uh, really jump out at you that you wanted to investigate further or, or check out while you're there? Well, I like looking at aluminum heads all the time. I'd love mm. to get a set of those. Um, so that's, that's, a, that's definitely a goal. Um, but the, I, I'm, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, was that like over I, at Edelbrock? Or? Yeah, yeah, exactly at, at, at Edelbrock. Um, yeah, they had a lot. They have a lot of nice, uh, a lot of nice offerings over there. They really do. Yeah, they do a nice um, job of displaying them too. The the heads are on racks, so you can kind of spin them around and look at them and stuff. Right. And, yeah. A lot of yeah, that's good stuff. What I, was your um? What was your favorite car there at SEMA? That's a great question because I didn't have a whole lot of time to spend um, looking at cars. Um, Mm -hmm. I I was lucky enough to get close to some that we featured in that SEMA reveal. Um, Right. I really did dig that that Kindig Corvette. Uh, Mm -hmm. I also, uh, I got up close and personal for very short periods of time with most of the cars at the SEMA cruise, uh, which was, all right. which was insane. Um, so they take, it's not all of them, but almost every car and truck in the show and lead them out the front door and drive them around to the backside of the campus there where, where many of them would go into the SEMA ignited and others get loaded onto trucks and go home. So, uh, a guy named Joe Sebergandio, who I, I used to work with uh, uh, back at the magazines and the TV shows, uh-huh. uh, he, he's he been the host of the SEMA cruise for many years and was gracious enough to bring me on as kind of the co-host. And he and I tag-teamed that, um, that cruise. And it was so much fun. It was probably the most straight-up fun that I've had at that event in a long time. Because it's the end of the show. The show's actually over. You know, now it's... Right. Everybody's cutting loose. Joe is a, is a great guy. He, he's way laid back. He's, he's pretty sarcastic. He likes to have a good time. So the mood is, is pretty loose. And, and we started off by doing uh, helping the on-camera crews with the, 
Battle of Builders uh, TV episode, which is going to be on Velocity in January or February. Oh, uh, right on. Because they, they crown the Battle of the Builders at the SEMA Ignited event after the after the show. Oh, I so gotcha. All the Ignited cars, or the uh, Battle of Builder cars were there. And the hosts of that show are, uh, well, you remember AJ uh, from Overhauling? Yeah. Uh, Adrian Janik. She's huh? a, a co-host. And uh, Tanner Faust. And I don't know if you know Tanner. Oh. Tanner's a, a rally car driver. Drifter. Yeah, I know the name. I know yeah. the name. I don't know him personally, though. Tanner is a super cool guy. And I I, I interviewed him in 09 for the uh, Optima Challenge event. We, we did that DVD for them a long time ago for Optima. Uh-huh. And, and he was one of the participants back then, and now he's hosting stuff. And just a just a great guy. He's in a film coming out. As a matter of fact, they're they're uh, making a theatrical version finally of the uh, nineteen sixty six uh, Le Mans victory, where Ford came in one two three and beat Ferrari oh, at Le Mans yeah. in sixty six. And he's in that film. So no way. Yeah. Yeah. So while they were doing their their TV stand-ups uh, in between, we had the opportunity to, to interview those people and and get the crowd wound up and everything. So that that was really cool to see him and and AJ again. And, That's very uh, cool. Yeah, but the the cars came by for 20, 30 seconds at a time, you know, because it's basically a parade of everything that came out. And uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. you know, ironically, I saw a couple of Buicks that I liked. <laughs> Oh, really? <laughs> I, I'm shocked. Yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> and I made sure to, uh, you know, to tell the crowd what they were looking at, you know, because, uh, <laughs> well, you know, my, my only friend, uh, Charlie Lillard, he yeah. had his uh, his uh, 65 rib is done, and it was there, the white one that was in the Holland. Yeah, Cove. that thing was off the hook, man. It's insane. Yeah, it's on a roadster it chassis, and it's uh, it's a thousand horsepower LS9. Good lord! And it's quiet and comfortable, you know. And people didn't believe that that was a thousand horsepower car when uh-huh. it was riding past. And and Matt, who's uh, one of the guys at Sled Alley that did the work on that thing, he was driving, and I kind of put him on the spot, stuck a microphone in his face, and said, you oh, know, boy. tell me about the car, which I'm not sure he appreciated. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. Oh, uh, man. So so that yeah. was cool. There was a 58 Impala that was all hand-carved. Did you see that thing? So no, man. It appeared to be in bare steel, and it had that, all the body panels were done in that Japanese carving technique where You're kidding it, me. it's all scrolled and oh it was insane. Insane. Oh, wow. And and it rolled through the cruise and uh if you were sitting in the stands you saw that it was just kind of a glistening silvery looking thing. Uh-huh. Um but I, I made sure to point out to people that that whole thing is hand hand carved from end to end and it was just unbelievable. So I would Jeez. google that car. I don't know who built it or what it's called but that's one that was really really intense huh that's pretty slick um i wanted to backtrack here for a second something uh, a trend that i noticed um uh we you, you mentioned that you were um that you worked with uh, joe sibergani is that Sibergandio, I... yeah Sibergandio. you worked with him in the magazines and a lot of the people that you introduced me to were people that you used to work with um, back in Hot Rod so many yeah. years ago, and it's just, it's. I, I thought it was really cool to see the longevity that this industry holds for a lot of people, 
um, that they make a, a, a pretty decent career out of it. And, you know, the transitions they make throughout and, and you all kind of regroup here at the, at the mother show, as it were, uh, of SEMA and can still, you know, hang out you, like, like you used to back in the day. So I thought that was pretty cool. That's amazingly cool, you know, that that mm-hmm. happens. And, you know, uh, I, I've mentioned this before, but it's interesting when you when you leave a job, many times, uh, you know, people make a lateral move. They'll go from a, a job title X at company Y, and then they'll mm-hmm. go to be job title X at company Z. You know, they just kind of uh-huh. slide across. What I found... And again, it wasn't by choice. I, I went to the magazine company by choice. I had no idea what would happen, uh, right? You know, uh, long term. And and the great thing is, is most of the people that there's there's still a couple that are still there, um, 20, mm-hmm. 20 some years on. But the companies have have bought and sold and changed hands, and you know things change. But the cool thing is, most people that have left didn't make lateral moves. They went up and out, uh-huh. right? So they went to, from the magazine, they went to a, a, a manufacturing company to do PR work for, we'll say Edelbrock, you know, that, that uh-huh. happened. Or they started their own media company like Dan Kahn, and now they represent the Ring Brothers. Uh, or they went to SEMA, and now it's Peter McGillivray, the vice president who, who runs the whole SEMA show. You know, the, right. Uh, or it was Ira, Ira Gabriel that I introduced you to, who was my former boss at Hot Rod, who's now a, it, uh, one of the top right. PR guys at SEMA. Yeah, cool or, guy. To, yeah, very cool guy. Or, yeah. or Sebergandio, who, who uh, used to be in the events department when he and I worked together, and now does events for SEMA. And it is really cool to be able to uh, have have been in that circle from kind of the inception, at least the inception of my career professionally mm-hmm. and to be able to stay in that and keep those relationships and, and see that everybody's doing way, way cooler stuff now. And, but when you, when we all get together, it's like, we all have the silly stories of what happened yeah. you know, 20 years ago and we joke about it and, and uh, yeah, it's really, really neat. Yeah, I dug that. I really did. It was neat saying, yeah, I used to work with this guy at Hot Rod, and this guy I worked with here, and, and, and all that. It was uh, it was kind of a neat uh, coming together. Yeah, right. So. Well, maybe then you saw that I wasn't completely full of crap. Not completely. <laughs> <laughs> I owe all those guys a lot of money, you know, for... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was neat stuff. I, I really enjoyed that a lot. That was that really meant a lot. So. Well, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I thought it was great. Ira, in particular, was convinced that you were in the industry somehow. Yeah, he thought I was a guy. <laughs> that I, I was an industry guy. And he's like, like no, 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 man, you, you're like dummy. You tell him yes. <laughs> no, yeah. Well, he just kept saying, "No, I know you from somewhere, right? You've been there, you know." And and uh, <laughs> it was it was funny. It was cool. I mean, because you're. Obviously, you're contextual. You walk the walk and know the stuff. So you know why not? Of right. course. You know. I mean, I've been a car guy my whole life, and right. You know, I was a, a dealer. I worked at a mechanic at a, at a dealer as a mechanic, like an apprentice mechanic, when I was in high school, and you know, always did all my own stuff on my cars and, and all that stuff. So yeah, I'm definitely not an industry guy, but I'm an industry guy. I'm a car guy. So I think maybe a that's- lot of people wouldn't 
I think a lot of people would have a hard time believing that you're not an industry guy, Mm -hmm. technically, that you have a career that's outside of the automotive industry because you are so into this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, well, maybe someday I'll make that really happen. Ah. Well, you know, (laughs) I'm not saying it would be good or bad. You certainly Mm -hmm. have a good thing going. So, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, the the classic example of that is Nick Scavo, who is genuinely an appliance repair man. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. That's right. Oh, I forgot about Nick. (laughs) Yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, yeah, everybody thought he's you know pro racer and and you know shop owner or whatnot, and now he uh-huh. fixes fixes washers and dryers. Does well at it. <laughs> you know? Second generation, I guess, is this the company's been around since 1956, and he's keeping it going. So shoot, I need to call him. My dishwasher's busted. Holy cow! Yeah, you do. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So oh my goodness. There is all these higher level connections that happen at that show and and it's it's mm-hmm. good for the soul, you know, it's a oh, it's yeah. a, a yeah. neat uh I, I don't want to use the modern the modern definition of a safe place, you know, because <laughs> you know, yeah, today you hear about these people that can't handle reality so they need to retreat right. to a safe place. It, no, this this is somewhere where it's cool to be a car guy. And, and it's fun to go fast and talk about mm-hmm. cars and ideas and and you know it's neat when there's there's no crazy idea at the SEMA show, and what I mean by that is there's nothing that you can't say to somebody where they're gonna go oh that's ridiculous go home they're gonna go yeah <laughs> right. man that's awesome you know you need to do that <laughs> well, well case, case in point uh, you had on stage the winner of the. Um what was it? The uh, uh, who who sponsored that that engine award? Oh yeah yeah the uh, so it was J E Pistons with their J. E. Pistons. Motor, motor Masters award. Right, a guy builds a nine hundred and four cubic inch double overhead cam Hemi engine. Yeah, for Pete's sake, who does that? Oh totally yeah yeah, and, and he was uh, that's gentleman Jim. He he was a right. a, a top fuel. Funny car racer. He drove the Hearst Hemi under glass for many years. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the wheel standing car and all that stuff. Yep. And he just thought it'd be a great idea to advance the technology of the top fuel Hemi. And his mm-hmm. his first direction was to make it overhead valve, so, or overhead cam. So it's a mm-hmm. dual, dual overhead cam Hemi. And then he realized, you know, if we move the stroke around a little bit and, and space the bores <laughs> out, we can we can get this to be over nine hundred cubic inches. Yeah. <laughs> so And wouldn't you know it he did. <laughs> and it was running in a in a thirty two Ford of all things. So Yeah. My gosh. Right. That yeah. that would be crazy if you were down at your local cars and coffee. Right? <laughs> you're right. You're right. It would be. Everybody would say you're nuts. You know, but this guy uh-huh. this guy did it. And here it is. Yeah. It took him a long time, you know, okay. but Right, uh, yeah. A very, very cool uh, uh, story and a, and a great example. I'll never forget, I think it was my first SEMA show in 97 or so. And I went to the banquet on Thursday night. And the SEMA banquet is, it's an awards banquet for, uh, for the people, basically. So throughout the week, they have different types of banquets. But as far as like the SEMA person of the year... And, mm-hmm. and some of the, the personal awards, those happen on Thursday night. And they usually have some pretty good entertainment. And uh, this particular year was uh, uh, Jimmy Vaughn. 
uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan's brother, the yeah, blues yeah, guy. Yeah, yeah, And I, I wanted to see the band, and I ended up sitting at a table with, uh, with Fred Cantor. And Fred Cantor owns Cantor Auto Products. So you've seen that page in yeah. the back of the magazine. Yes, I have. Any magazine. For the, the two companies he owns, one is PST, Performance Suspension Technology, with the polygraphite bushings. That's him. Uh-huh. And then the other one is Cantor Auto Products, which is like bearings for your Hudson and Packards and, you know, all mm-hmm. this, all the way on up to whatever. And it was just luck of the draw. I ended up sitting next to this guy. And yeah. I don't know if you remember or, or knew of it, but uh, around that time period, Chrysler did a concept car called the Atlantic, which was a modern take on an old Bugatti Atlantique. And it's a uh-huh. beautiful, beautiful car. And uh, for some reason, because it's the SEMA show and you can talk big ideas and everybody's game, mm-hmm. I was BSing with Fred Cantor about the uh, the Chrysler Atlantic concept car. And he said, you know, I drove that car. And I said, really? you're kidding me. And he was at the at the time, the Walter P. Chrysler Museum, and, and got a chance to drive that thing around in the... In, in the the Chrysler wow. campus, and I said, "This is incredible." You know, I said, "For me, you know, I'm not the biggest street rod guy, but a neoclassic like that, I, I would, I would kill to own one." Yeah. And he said, "Well, we should build one. You know, we we might be able to get molds off the one that they built. Uh, you know, but what would you think for power?" And I said, "Well." It's it's the original was a straight eight, right? So at the time you could you could buy a Dodge Neon. I said, how cool would it be to take two neon four cylinders, put them end to end, and have a dual overhead cam straight eight? Oh yeah. And of course, because he's Fred Cantor, he says, well, I got a whole bunch of uh, Packard straight eight with Lycoming superchargers on them in storage. Whoa. We could just use one of those. You know, I'll just have <laughs> the head cast in aluminum and save a bunch of weight. <laughs> like, oh my God! You know, so we came up with this whole build, you know, like a couple of kids, you know, just kind of <laughs> love it, throwing crap against the wall, and uh, and Jimmy Vaughn played, and and yada yada yada. Well, about three weeks later, I get a box in the mail, and it's a a plastic one twenty fourth scale Chrysler Atlantic concept car that Fred Cantor had sent me. Oh uh, my gosh! Which is still sitting on a, a, a display cabinet at my house today. So how great is that? Yeah, and I, huh. I, I call those SEMA moments. You know, they're just these yeah. things that you cannot predict. Um, but if you put yourself out there, this stuff happens. You know, no doubt, man. Oh man, what a great story! Yeah, it was cool. And and to me, this year, my big SEMA moment was uh, seeing Gene Winfield roll up on his scooter. Oh, right on. To the SEMA Central stage. And for those who've been following that whole deal, uh, Gene's 91 years old, and not even a month before, he had broken his hip while attending a car show in Finland where he was chopping tops on custom cars. (laughs) And he fell down and broke his hip and had to have surgery. And there was a big concern that he wasn't going to... He needed special medical transport to get back to the U.S., and it wasn't right. covered by insurance, or the funds weren't there or whatever. So uh-huh. a big GoFundMe campaign went off, and, and we did a video on it and help, tried to help raise money for him. And, uh-huh. and uh, you know, that that's the last I had heard. And then all of a sudden, here he is rolling up on a scooter while I was at the, the central stage. 
And I go over to the side and I said, Gene, and he goes, do you have, do you have a minute to do an interview? And I said, yeah, are you kidding me? <laughs> we'll find a minute. Yeah, we'll, we'll find two. <laughs> we will make a minute. And it was great because at that moment, I was supposed to be interviewing Chris Kirsting, who's the CEO of SEMA, you know, he's top, top dog of the organization. Right. And I tell Chris, I said, hey, uh, I said, you see that guy? And he goes, yeah. I said, that's Gene Winfield. And I tell him the story real fast. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, well, you, you got to interview him. You got to get him up there. Yeah. And I said, well, I, I, of course, I really want to do that. But I know that Kirsting's schedule is regimented to the second all through uh-huh. the SEMA week. And I said, you're, I can't bump you back because, you know, you, you're – it would domino right. everything. And he, oh, yeah, yeah, right. Well, he said, so let me look at my schedule. So he looks at his schedule and he says, well, if you can, if you can do me in, in the next six minutes, um, I can get out of the way. And then, or if you can do him in six minutes, then, then I'll be ready. I said, tell you what, let's, let's get your interview out of the way. And then uh, we'll right. have a few more extra minutes for Gene. So Chris is like, okay, well, let's go. Let's get this done. So we uh-huh, jump on nice. stage and, and Chris does his big, uh, you know, SEMA, his annual SEMA, you know, central stage interview slash presentation. And he does it, uh, you know, at a slightly tuned up speed to accommodate this guy and, and finishes up and says, I gotta, I gotta go over and say hi. So he comes down and he says, uh, Gene, uh, my name's Chris. And I just want to say thank you for, uh, you know, for coming to the show and for making the effort to be here. I know you're the ordeal that you went through. And uh, Gene says, no, 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 this is great. I, you know, I'd never miss a, a SEMA show. I'll do anything I can to be here. And Chris said, well, that's, you know, really phenomenal. And we appreciate that. Uh-huh. And, and uh, Gene says, so, so what do you do? <laughs> and, <laughs> and Chris says, well, I'm the guy who is, uh, I guess, currently responsible for all the stuff that, that's happening here. So thanks. And, and he takes off. And, and Gene goes to me what does he do? And I said, he's the CEO of SEMA for crying out loud. And he's like, Oh man, that's really cool. And I said, yeah, he really wanted to talk to you. So, so <laughs> that's phenomenal. How and, legit is that guy? Gene Winfield, my gosh. Oh, totally. Uh, but, but what you see again is the commonality of car people. And it doesn't matter if you're a, a customizer or the CEO of, of SEMA, you know, there's this mutual respect for everybody. Right. It's a brotherhood. So it's a brotherhood. It, it, and the next yeah. challenge was, so I tell Gene, I said, okay, you're up, but you're in this scooter, and how am I going to get you up on stage? Because you just had this hip replacement. And he said, well, yeah. I'll walk. <laughs> and he, he stands <laughs> oh, up. He's got these two crutch things, and he kind of hobbles his way over and sits down on the stool and says, let's go. And, wow. And I'm like, you're kidding me, man. So I didn't want to take much of his time because I didn't know if he was in pain or, you know, whatever. He didn't give any indicator that there was even anything remotely amiss with his physical being. And he says, uh, you know, he tells us the story a little bit about being out in the world and, and he got hurt and whatever, but you know, people that that's not, that's a topic, but it's not who Gene Winfield is. Right. And, and luckily, um, I had met him in the late 90s. I'd been to his shop in Southern Cal, and he's got this book. He's got a a biography book that is incredible. And I asked him, I remember him telling me a story that's in his book about how he he had a Mercury tow vehicle and a flatbed trailer with a race car, 
And he left his shop in Southern Cal and went to the Dry Lakes at Murak, I guess, mm. and, and took the race car off and ran it and set a record. And then he, I think he pulled the fenders off the race car and ran it in a different class and set a record. Uh. And then he, uh, he unhitched the Mercury and ran the Mercury and set a record. And he, he stopped and he goes, yeah, there's, there was four of them I did that day. He said that was in 19, uh. 1947. And he set four records with two cars in one day. And they changed the rules. And nobody's been able to do that ever since. Oh, my gosh. And he remembers it like it's yesterday. That's amazing, man. This dude has been building cars for seven decades. Jeez. And he's in his ninth decade of life. And mm. he said he really is looking forward to getting home after SEMA because he's working on a Riddler car to be <laughs> unveiled in, in March in Detroit. Oh, my Lord. Yeah. And, and I turned to the crowd and I said, look, here's a guy who's you know, seven decades into building cars with a fresh broken hip, not even a month old, and he needs to get home. And he's chopped 19 tops in the past year alone at different events Man. all over the country. I said, what are we doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, we're a bunch of ham and eggers, man. This guy's the real deal. If that... Oh, my gosh. ...isn't an inspiration uh, or a, or a wake-up call, you know, I don't know what is, so... Uh-huh. It's something. Yeah. My Lord. It's, that, that's it's, it's amazing that that, I mean, that that he still has that kind of drive at, at that age and still wants to do stuff. And, and it's what, it's just sure what's keep, it, it's what keeps him young at heart and uh, just having something to look forward to and something that, something that he loves to do. Uh, yeah, you're right, though, that that drive to keep doing that stuff and the ability. Um, it's like what, uh, what Bobby Unser said, you know, the, the ones who are successful have that, uh, that persistence, you know, and, and that, mm. that desire, desire is a great right. word. And Gene still got the desire. So he's still rocking oh, and rolling. Still burning bright too. Yeah, totally. Totally. Oh, and gosh. just super generous with his time and always nice to talk to and wants to help everybody. You know, there's uh He's just a, he's just a great guy. So it was very For cool sure. to see him there. Yeah, I missed it unfortunately. God darn it. Well, that got yeah. recorded, so that that particular interview, I'm sure the SEMA uh, YouTube page will have it at some point. Oh, good, good. Um, if I see it, uh, that that's one that I wanted to ask the guys that are doing the post production if they would, if they'd mind letting out early. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, let it squeak through. Yeah, I, I don't really have any say in that stuff, but it would be cool right. to see it. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, but that was a whirlwind, man. Mm-hmm. Well, a whirlwind experience. It really, really, really was. Yeah. Well, I, I'm glad you made it. And, uh, yeah. again, the first one is always kind of the giant kick in the teeth. And, and if you can come back, then you mm-hmm. can start to... St- get a little bit of a handle, but it, it probably took me a solid five or six years to really kind of get a handle on what was at least happening around me. Uh-huh. Not still not fully benefiting from it. You know, I, I still think there's always more to get out of it than you do, no matter what you do. 
I agree. But the first couple of years, I just walked around, you know, drooling, looking at the <laughs> ceiling, I think. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, uh, but uh, also that, uh, I, I said it before, in, in, I think in our last episode, that SEMA app really, really saved my bacon. Um, I think my, my favorite feature was you had your map and it had a locator feature to it where you could say where you're near and where you want to go and hit locate and it it plots a route for you to follow and you can find anything you need to find. Yeah, that's killer and that's that's a pretty new feature. Yeah, uh, which is great for me because if it wasn't for that, I would still be there trying yeah. to find my way out of there. <laughs> totally. I'd yeah. have signal fires going. I'd try to radio for help. It would be brutal. Yeah, yeah. So. And I, I'm looking forward to seeing that advance uh, mm-hmm. because I think it would be really cool. That that app does a great job of mapping out the different displays and the mm-hmm. appearances and whatnot. But all that information is kind of pre-programmed. It would be pretty neat to be able to add things to that. So, mm. for example... You know, did you see that awesome orange C10 truck? You know, uh, oh, like where drop is a it? Pin somewhere? Yeah. And, oh, it's over yeah. in TMI. Oh, where's that? Uh-huh. And then here's the app. You know, to be able to to, yeah. to do that because that's that, a great suggestion. Yeah. Because the the cars a lot of times aren't known two days before. <laughs> you know, oh, who, who's going to be in a booth? Things change. Something didn't make it. Some different see. pops. You know, see. whatever. So. I, th- I thought it would be cool to um, for for people that want to see the uh, the cars that are entered into the battle battle of the builder to know exactly which booth they're in. That's a I great that one, a great suggestion. Yeah. That was yeah. one of the most popular questions that I got all week. Is that was, right? You know, where do I see this car? And and uh, part of the trick there is they would be like, you know, they would just say a name. You know, where's? Yeah, you know, I'm just trying to because the week was such a blur. Uh-huh. You know, so Kyle Tucker and Detroit Speed had the black Camaro right. that won. That's called Tux. Yeah. So people were asking me, where's the Tux Camaro? Uh-huh. Well, I didn't necessarily know that that's what the name of the car was. I see. Or, you know, where's where's the car that, uh, you know, that Damon worked on or whatever? Uh-huh. Uh, he might have been a team member of a shop, you know. So. Oh, I see. I see. Well, the, we, or where's the Kindick car? Well, he brought ten cars. Can you narrow yeah, it down a little right. bit? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So a little, and, and I think that you know, not to, not to do the, the typical thing where it's like, hey, great app, but what what's next? You know, right? <laughs> but I think that'd be a nice evolution of what what could be even even more possible, uh, right? Because you know, a few years ago, you didn't have anything. You had a book and a map. You know, oh man! And it was a it was oh, a challenge. Brutal, no doubt, no yeah. doubt, huh? Yeah, but that 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 thing was that thing was money because when I was going around uh, getting interviews, I knew where I was, I knew where I had to go. I'm like, oh, I'll go here. Otherwise, I would spend forever trying to find sure. a particular booth that that I needed to get to. So yeah, and I think you got what eight interviews. I did get eight interviews, yeah, yes, yeah. sir. That's a that's yeah. a lot, so it's cool. We'll, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh, in, a, in a few future episodes, we'll, we'll meter those out. Yeah, dig it. Yeah, yeah. we don't want to we don't want to push it all out right away. Well, <laughs> you know, if I would stop flapping my gums, you'd have time for it. <laughs> <laughs> nonsense, my friend. Nonsense. So was it was it uh, was it fun approaching those guys and getting those interviews? Or it was well, like I said before. 
this is doing that is a little out of my wheelhouse. And as they say, if you're not comfortable, you're not growing. Mm -hmm. And I will say that I grew quite a bit. (laughs) So, so, uh, yeah, it was a little uncomfortable. Um, but as as they went on, I, I felt a little more comfortable approaching these guys and trying to ask better follow up questions um, mm-hmm. on the statements they gave me and and uh, try to use what's around me as as part of the interview. So I was able to do that at the Forge Line Wheels uh, booth, which I interviewed um, um, I Steve, Steve Shark. Steve Shark, yeah, 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 yeah Steve Shark. So um, so that was a good one. Um, they got a nice. Uh, a nice uh, new carbon fiber wheel vendor, which uh, they look fantastic. So, yeah, that's cool. Um, well, and yeah. those the other challenge there is that those were not scheduled, so you were purely kind of coming up and yeah, hitting, hitting them cold. And um, it's nice that they were receptive to those. Yeah, yeah, I was I was happy about that too. So, you know, I just throw the Kevin Osti name around there, and things happen. Let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, the, all of a sudden everybody's busy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I will. T- I will say this. Uh, uh, I did. I did go to the Magnaflow uh, booth to talk to Richard Waitis, and uh, he, there was a room there, and he was he was behind closed doors, and there was some guy that was in front, and I said, "Hey, is uh, is Richard available?" And they're like, "Do you have an appointment?" I'm mm-hmm. like, "Well, no, but uh, you know, Kevin Osi from VATV sent me down here to talk to him." And, <laughs> To see if he had a few minutes for an interview. He's like, all right, hang on a second. He goes back. Two minutes later, Richard Waiters comes out. Hey, how you doing? I'm like, right on. <laughs> yeah, nice. <laughs> Kevin well, really has clout. <laughs> well, you know, that that's that's Richard being gracious, of course. But at the same time, um, he, he's a very busy guy. Yeah, and, he and, is a busy and guy. And Magnaflow, as you saw, is far more than an exhaust company. They uh, they put so much into brand ambassadors and influencers and you know over the years they've had Mario Andretti and and uh, yeah uh, everyone from Iron Man Ivan Stewart to Foose and mm-hmm. MMA fighters and you know they've always <laughs> got personalities there racers and whatnot right. Robbie Gordon I mean it just goes on and on so Richard is kind of in the middle of all that. And it was very cool of him to uh, to jump off and and spend some time with you. So that was that was very nice. Yeah, that was nice. Good, nice guy, real nice guy. Very good guy. So. Great. He's mm-hmm. a great guy with a lot to say, and mm-hmm. and I'm glad you uh, you got that recorded because a lot of times I have conversations with him and I have to go back for like the next week and try and figure out exactly <laughs> what, he what he's talking about <laughs> because he's on a different level on so many things when it comes to marketing and how to handle branding and brand positioning and and the perception of your company and the direction i mean he's really really in it uh at the same time he's also the guy you'll see on the tv shows tig welding exhaust systems together exactly yeah i, I do remember seeing him on like overhaul and yeah uh when when, when magnaflow was a big sponsor there and they were putting they're putting kits together and he's yep. you know got the has the welder out and he's doing it he's yep. actually doing the work so respect Totally, yeah. He's uh, and he's still doing that for Bodie Stroud and, and, and a lot of these builders, Foose. You mm-hmm. know, he, and right. and I, I met him when he was. I think he was just he was running the tech center at Magnaflow, where they were looking at new cars and digitizing the factory exhaust and kind of reverse engineering oh, okay. their their performance stuff. 
and he was running the dyno and, and doing those machines. And now he's he's way at the top. You know, he's uh, he's doing that for the whole organization. So uh, I, I'm, I'm bummed that I didn't get a chance to see him myself, but I'm glad you got a chance to talk to him because he's... Yeah, thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's Good got stuff. a lot to offer. Yeah, I'm going to do more of that at uh, McCacken Show as well, try to, try to get some more, you know, quote, man-on-the-street uh, interviews. Right some, on. Uh, some well, of the people out there, so... Speaking of which, speaking of McCack, and hell of a segue, Michael. Yeah, great job. <laughs> yeah, really uh, I did want to just throw a plug out because as we're recording this, it's uh, it's Monday of what I am calling uh, the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals Week. <laughs> <laughs> this is McCacken Week now. McCacken Week. It's not. It's just, a thing. It's it a, is thing. a thing. I, I think it is, and and we uh, have talked before a little bit about our our McCacken After Hours Live uh, web stream that's going to happen Saturday night. So, right. um, all week we've been doing short videos, kind of kind of pre-selling this, and then doing a look back video of a previous year of McCacken because this is the 10th anniversary of the muscle car and Corvette nationals. So, and we've been shooting video there forever. Uh, I think we only miss one of the McCacken shows. Is that right? And it's, it's one of my favorites, you know, ever. So, Oh yeah. Super excited about, uh, about the live stream. Also super excited about shooting other video and seeing people and talking and whatnot. Mm Um, but what we're trying to do is we've got, uh, a simul stream that's going to happen. It's going to go to Facebook and YouTube at the same time. Uh-huh. And we have a bunch of streaming partners that are sharing this as well. So the main one is uh, the Meekum Auction Company has stepped up to help sponsor this thing and share it. That's a real big one. Um, OPGI is doing it as well, uh, as is uh, showyourauto.com. And then, of course, the Muscle Car and Corvette Nationals themselves. But the list is growing uh, daily, which is cool. So now our friends at HTP Welders are going to be sharing the stream. Our friends cool. at, at the, uh, the the muscle, the muscle Mopar and Muscle Cars at the Strip event, uh, which happens in Vegas in the spring, they're sharing the stream. Um the uh, uh, the muscle car place, which you you've heard uh, Robert Kitty's yeah. podcast, sure. In the past, sure. uh, he's going to share the stream. So, with with those and a few others that are under our umbrella, muscle car of the week, VATV, whatnot, our social right. footprint right now is at one point seven eight million possible uh, nice. sets of eyeballs on Saturday night, which uh, is super cool. That's super cool. Yeah. So, and I think we're going to add a few more um, by the end of the week. Oh, Rocket Racing is another, another big one. They're going to be uh, nice uh, sharing it as well. So, hopefully we'll hit the, uh, the two, two and a half million potential audience footprint size. And there are people that have checked in from as far away as South Africa and Australia that are jazzed to watch it. And... Uh, Ticket. We, yeah, we've got about 30 cars lined up. No way. It's huge, yeah. I don't know that we're going to hit them all. And I'm uh-huh. pre- I am know for certain that others are going to try and jump on. Um, mm-hmm. We're also going to be talking with a couple of the artists from the show. Of course, Bob Ashton, the organizer, and uh, uh, some other sponsor people as well that are also part of the show. Uh, in fact, uh, tomorrow's look-back video 
is an interview with John Craman from Meekum. And Craman does the on-air commentary for uh, for Meekum. And this one goes back to 2015 when Meekum brought 16 cars to the McCacken show. I remember that. Yeah, and and they were all going to be sold at the Kissimmee auction. So they they brought them out to the public. So interestingly, Meekum has a an auction in Vegas the same weekend as McCacken in Chicago. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their guys aren't going to be there, right? So right. I'm trying to find a, a cool way to integrate Meekum into our coverage, you know, for helping us out. And I think what we're going to end up doing is uh, doing some recap of Saturday's action live on our show. Oh, so nice. We'll look up some of the, the top sellers. Hopefully they'll be able to get that data together fast enough. Because the Meekum auction ends, I'm going to say seven, six or seven o'clock in Vegas, and then we go live at eight o'clock in Chicago. Ooh. It's about two okay. hours difference, uh, yeah. three hours probably with the time zone change. So right, we'll be uh, surfing and and hopefully be able to share that stuff a little bit, oh, just man. a little bit after the fact. But okay, all right. Well, that'll be. That'll be fun putting that together. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, and, and you've got a big part It'll of it. It'll be fun not screwing that up, putting it out, people. So, uh, when things go wrong, people, address your letters to cueball at v8radio.com. Yeah, yeah, because you'll be operating the uh, the switching equipment, and uh, uh-huh. uh, which will be fun. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be super cool. I am totally geeked about this one. So, yeah, yeah. For sure. The, uh, like you said, McCacken is my favorite muscle car show of the year by oh, yeah. far yeah. such a variety there of, of everything it's it's amazing and how they put these collections together i mean i know i know that they spent uh over two years putting that e-body uh that hemi convertible e-body uh collection together I yeah mean, that's that's the commitment that bob ashton and company put into this show and that's and that's how it becomes that's why it becomes and stays such a quality show and again, it's it's all enthusiasts that uh-huh. want to see these things happen, so they happen. Mm-hmm. You know, again, it's not forcing somebody to come up with the the first eight dental instruments ever made <laughs> <laughs> and put them on display because nobody cares. You know. <laughs> 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 but when you say, "Hey, we got we got three Hemi Cuda convertibles coming," and then somebody goes, "Well, I know a guy who's got one. We got to get his. I'll call him." Yeah. And then that guy goes, "Well, I know there's a blue one over there. I'll call that guy." Yeah. And then, if, if that's if that dirty dog is gonna go, I'm gonna go. My car's yeah. better than his car. That's right. And then yeah. you call the brothers' yeah. collection, and they send nine. <laughs> yeah. God dang it. <laughs> Yeah, they win. <laughs> well, but everybody won. You and I won because we got a chance to go see them. Yeah, and that's, we get that's to look what's at so all cool. those cars, yeah. Uh, so the displays are going to be off the hook. Uh, it's uh, it's a great time, you know. And, and the other fun thing now is, so this year you're, you know, you're going along for the ride even more, having done SEMA and then that one. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, the PRI show coming up right after that. So yeah. I really dig that. I, I'm not a winter guy. Uh-huh. I grew up in Chicago. I know the snow. I know how to drive in it. I know all about it. Uh-huh. And I moved to Southern California when I was 25, and I had 350 days of sunshine. God. And then I moved Lucky. back to the Midwest. 
<laughs> Thanks, honey. <laughs> yeah, and, and I love where I live, and I love the shop, and it's, yeah. it's it's only the weather that is the problem. And I'll tell you, the sunshine we get from SEMA and McCacken and PRI really helps make the end of the year uh, something special. Because uh, for me, it's certainly not the clouds, the snow. <laughs> no kidding. I, I, I agree with you a thousand percent on that. Yeah. So, all right. Well, oh, cool. We got our uh, our McCacken plug in. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, I know I've rambled on enough. I'm I'm still battling a bit of a cold from uh, post SEMA craziness. Post SEMA wipeout. Yeah. Totally. Totally. So let's let's hit our trivia questions here. All right. Um, well, I asked you uh, how many exhibitors were at the first SEMA, and you were right. I did hear Troy say that. I'm like, I don't think Kevin was listening. I'm going to use that as my trivia question. <laughs> we have to understand. Did I, I know. I heard that you know every hour and a half. Oh, damn it! Really? Gosh darn it! <laughs> well, the original answer was five, which is not correct. Uh, you said thirty-five. Uh, which is also not correct. Uh-huh. Good. The correct answer, according to our friends at Wikipedia, is 98 exhibitors wow. at the first SEMA, and with over 3,000 people. Well, I'll tell you what, up. Gigi Carlton doesn't mess G-G. around. Gigi. So, that's cool. Well, good. I, I'm happy to lose that one. Yeah, me too. Yeah. I, I lost that one too. I had the wrong answer. Yeah, it was your question. <laughs> it's a double loss on one question. Yeah, how nice. Oh, gee whiz. All right. Well, uh, on how your bad? Side... How bad am I that I lose my own question? <laughs> I mean, honest to God. Uh, you're you're an innovator, is what I will say. To you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm the worst. I'm the worst. Okay. Well, the flip side was uh, our buddy Ricardo Montalban was hawking Chrysler's for many years, talking about the two-part question. One, what was the name of the leather in the car, which you easily got as Corinthian leather. Right. Mm-hmm. But B, what was special about Corinthian leather? And your guess was that it was stain resistant. <laughs> you get the urine stain out. <laughs> yeah. Pee right in the front seat. Don't even touch it. It's urophobic. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, yeah. it it might have been, but that wasn't the uh, the thing that was special. So they asked. Ricardo, what the deal was with Corinthian leather, and he said, "There is no deal. There is no deal. It was a name that Chrysler's ad agency made up just to to add some significance to it, add and, some some quote unquote class to the product." Well, that's it, you know. And and he said yeah. he 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 described it accurately as saying it was a trade name, so it was just a trade name okay. for leather. So all right. All right, Ricardo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there you go. Oh, there you go. And it's Cordoba. Yeah, Cordoba. <laughs> All right, man. Well, this was a lot of fun. Uh, this was great. This was really great. Yeah, yeah. These are always good when we got a lot to talk about. So yeah. looking forward to uh, the next one, which will be post our post macacken recap, most likely. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then we'll hear some of your man on the street stuff. We're going to have a library of that. Yeah, we are. We'll have some 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 content. Yeah, how about that? Finally, yeah. finally. No, yeah, right. 
It's a busy time. Might as well right. utilize it. And uh, don't forget, if you dig this stuff, go ahead and, and click that little subscribe button. We uh, we do well on iTunes whenever we publish one of these things, and it kind of fades away. So hopefully we can stay on that third column and get into the second one. Keep you know. riding that wave. That, that's it. That's it. Uh, and, of course, we're also available on Google Play, on Stitcher, on the TuneIn Radio app. Of course, our website at varadio.com and uh, on Facebook. Uh, please follow the Facebook page because it's a nice way to add commentary. Uh, we know our friend uh, our friend Frank, who you'll be able to meet in person at the McCacken Show. Right on. Looking uh, forward Frank, to that one. Frank and Frankie Zimkowski will be out there with their GTO uh-huh. and, and the Buick Grand National. Frank always plays along in real time answering the trivia questions on the Facebook page, and we yeah. appreciate that. And, and he doesn't give it away either, which is good. Yeah, it is good. Yeah, Thank yeah. you for that, Frank. Yeah. So that's another way to find it if you haven't had enough of us already. And so, he's uh, right quite a bit of the time. Oh, he's sharp. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 He's a smart guy. He, he, well, he, he lives this stuff, and that, that's what's so cool. Mm. And that GTO he's got is off oh. the scale. Oh, it's it's pretty. It's a nice car, man. He's, Can't he's, wait he, to get my grubby hands on that. <laughs> 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 well, he, he's one of our uh, our after hours interviews, so good. That will be cool. All right. Well, that's about all I got, man. Uh, I guess until next time. Well, uh, uh, my name's Kevin Osti for for Mike Clark. Keep the shiny side up, and uh, we'll see you next time on V8 Radio. <laughs>